Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Remember, this podcast is about focusing on the practical work of being a church leader or an organizational leader in a Christian context. But beyond that, it's also for elders and deacons, program directors, youth ministers, any one of us who feels a responsibility to provide Christian leadership. That's who this podcast is designed to address. Today, I'd like to talk with you about what it means to lead from the future. Leading from the future means that you make your leadership decisions based on the perspective of looking from the future back to the present. You say, well, Jeff, unless you've invented a time machine, that's impossible. Well, frankly, it is impossible in its purest form. But as leaders, we have a responsibility to project our thinking out into the future, to discover as much as we can where the future is headed, if you will, and then to focus our attention back on our organization, trying to make decisions that are based on getting our organization or our church to the best future possible. You know, one time Jesus was uh, walking with his fellows and they came out of the temple complex and Jesus said, do you see these great buildings? (laughs) Not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. I imagine those disciples looked at each other, looked at Jesus and thought, yeah, right. No possible chance that could ever happen. But Jesus knew it was going to happen. He knew not only was he speaking of the physical destruction of the temple, which happened in 70 AD, but he was also talking about the cataclysmic events associated with his second coming. Jesus was saying, there's a future coming. I can see it. You can't. And you should be making your decisions about your life right now based on those future realities. Now, none of us None of us have the capacity to see into the future like Jesus. I fully understand that. Nor do we have the responsibility of predicting the future as Jesus was able to do. But what we can learn from this example is there are things coming in the future that if we can anticipate them, then that will change the direction of the decisions we're making about the present leading from the future. Now, leaders must lead from the future and make decisions from that perspective, or they're going to find themselves striving instead for perpetual preservation of the status quo. If they're leading only from what they're seeing right now today, then basically their decisions are going to be, how can we improve what's happening with our organization or with our church right now? You know, that is... uh, That is not the way I try to lead Gateway Seminary. I am constantly asking our team to think about where do we need to be in five years? What's the world going to be like in five years? What are the demographics of our denomination going to be like in five years? What are the demographics of our community going to be like in five years? What are we projecting is going to happen financially in our country? Projecting what's going to happen financially in our denomination? What are we projecting that's going to happen financially in the lives of our students? And how does that impact us and the decisions we're making today about how we do ministry at Gateway? So it is essential that we have a focus on the future and not just thinking about, oh, how do we get to a future that may be more hopeful than the one we have now, but instead saying, no, let's project what's the future going to be like, and then lead back from that to make the decisions necessary to lead us to the best future possible. You know, all leaders face the temptation of preserving their era and of keeping things like they are 
are like they want them to be. Now, I, I've been leading long enough to have lived through several phases of this. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I, I was a constantly innovating change agent, wanting things to be done different, pushing the limits and wanting to see about new methods, new, new approaches. Now, I find myself when new things are proposed, groaning a little bit on the inside and thinking, oh, really, do we have to make another change? Well, when people propose things to me from the future and show me that this is the reason for the changes that we need to make, it reinvigorates me and reminds me that I cannot become one of those guys who is committed to preserving the status quo, committed to preserving things the way they perpetually need to be so that I will feel comfortable not only in the moment, but in the moments to come. Every generation of leaders faces the challenge. Will we lead from the future? In other words, will we step into future realities as we can anticipate them the best way possible and make decisions about leadership based on those future realities rather than our present situation or status quo? You know, keeping up with this kind of change can be difficult. It's really hard to make the emotional adjustment to constantly be looking into the future and being willing to make the changes necessary to get there. So let's talk about that for just a few minutes. You know, when you think about leadership methods, there's a kind of a cycle to them. Some person that's visionary about the future, who lives in the future, who sees the future and what needs to happen, proposes some methodological change into an organization and the organization embraces those changes and those changes start to produce success and success leads to more success and the cycle is rolling along just fine. And then someone comes along and says, hey, I've seen another part of the future and now I'm speaking back into the organization and we need to change these processes. And it's easy for us to then say, whoa, no, 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 no. This is working just fine. And to forget that the reason that it's working so well is because we started by seeing the future, letting the future speak back into our present, change the direction that we're going, and the cycle of doing that which produced this season of success can easily, it can easily be forgotten. What got the whole thing started was seeing the future and deciding back into the present from that vantage point. So when the next person comes along two, three, five years later and does the same thing a second time, we resist because the success that we're having, the success we're having seems like something we want to preserve and not risk. Now listen to this next statement. One of the prime inhibitors of positive change is past success. One of the prime inhibitors of positive change is past success. Someone once said, success ties us to the past. Now, think about this cycle. Some person sees the future, understands where an organization needs to go, reads what's happening in the culture, what's happening in finance, what's happening in demographics, what's happening in ministry directions, what's happening as generational change impacts the ministry. Someone sees all of that future coming and speaks back into the present and says, this is what needs to happen in order to take us into the future that we need to get to. And everyone embraces it. And success comes. And there's a cycle of success that started because of this leadership decision that was made by this visionary who spoke into the process from the future. Maybe that success goes on for one, two, or 10 years. 
And then someone tries to repeat the process, speaking as a visionary from seeing the future back into the president saying, now we need to reinvigorate what we're doing and go a new direction and try these new things and move in a different way so that we can get to the future. And everyone says, no, 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 no. We're just fine like we are. We've done this process before and we're very successful right now. You know, when I was uh, starting a church in the 1980s, (laughs) we were fond of saying, you know, it's not the 1950s anymore. And using that phrase to try to motivate change. You know, now in the early 2020s, someone could say, you know, it's not the 1990s anymore and be just as far removed as I was in the 80s from the 50s. It's not the 1990s anymore. You know, somebody spoke some visionary leadership from the future into the church of the 1990s and early 2000s and change started happening and success perhaps was generated. And now that same process needs to be repeated, repeated, repeated for the church or the organization to keep going forward. Now, having said all this about the importance of leading from the future, meaning that you find a way to Envision the future, see the future, understand the future, and make your leadership decisions based on that information and speak from the future perspective back into your present rather than saying, here's where we are in the present, and here's what we're doing now, and here's what we need to keep doing. And we might want to tweak it or improve it a little bit, but let's don't change too much because we don't want to risk the success we're currently having. Leading from the future is that first description that I've just given about what this process looks like. Now, for the rest of the podcast, let me talk about some ways that you can improve your capacity to anticipate the future, to more accurately understand the future, to develop a perspective that's from the future back into your present organization. Five suggestions. Number one, discover what the Bible says about the future. Now, you may say, you mean make an end times chart? Well, not exactly. The Bible, though, talks about the future and about the direction the world is going to go and the trajectory the world is going to be on. And it talks about specific aspects of ministry or specific aspects of life that are part of the future. Now, I realize that this is a pretty uh, nebulous and generalist beginning, but it is important to think about the fact that the Bible does speak some things that do have impact on how we understand the future. Like, for example, you know, the Bible says all men, all humans are sinners. And the Bible says in the future, whatever that means, that the sinfulness of humankind is only going to flourish more and more. So if you're one of these people who says, well, the Bible says things are just going to get bigger and better all the way to the end. Well, you haven't really read the Bible because the Bible says people are sinful and evil is going to abound as time goes by. Another thing the culture often tells us is, you know, in the future, we're just going to be more and more and more financially prosperous. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible says that as time goes by and as culture experiences more and more sinful behavior by more and more people, that actually financial chaos is in the future and should be feared. Now, that's just two examples of what I'm talking about. The Bible says that humans are sinful and that humankind, the sinfulness of humankind is going to only get worse as time goes by. The Bible says that economic certainty is not part of our future, but that instead economic 
uncertainty and economic injustice tied to the sinfulness of humanity is a more a part of our future. So when I hear people saying that they're going to make their ministry plan or their life plan based on the fact that people are basically good and prosperity is here to stay, I think you must not be reading the same Bible I'm reading because the Bible says something different about how the future typically unfolds and ultimately will unfold in our world. So first of all, discover what the Bible says about the future. The second thing you can do to help you improve your capacity to anticipate the future, the second thing you can do is to learn what insightful people are predicting about the future. Now, I'm speaking specifically here about secular leaders and what they may have to say about the future in relationship to things that really do matter in terms of ministry future for your organization or your church. For example, uh, there are people in your community who are predicting the future quite accurately about the demographics of the community or the county where your ministry is located. For example, when we were thinking about where to place Gateway Seminary in the Western United States when we left the Bay Area in 2016, I made a study of the demographic data of every county in the Western United States between 2015 and 2050. I wanted to find out what are the best secular demographers saying about the expansion of the population in the Western United States in the next 35 years. And what I discovered was that the two counties that are anticipated to grow the most rapidly in the next 35 years in the Western United States are San Bernardino and Riverside counties here east of Los Angeles. So I wanted the seminary to be where the most of the new people are going to be moving in the Western United States in the next 35 years. And we came to Ontario, California. Now, that's what I mean about learning what insightful people are saying about the future and speaking from that perspective back into your ministry context about decisions in the present. Now, we didn't just consider that one factor, but it was a very significant factor. You know, demographic data telling you how many people are going to be in your living in your area, the ages of those people, all of that data is available to you as a ministry leader and generally available free if you know where to go and look for it because that data is being gathered, assimilated, and produced by governmental entities to make so many public policy decisions. For example, deciding where to build new grade schools or maybe where to close some or relocate them is all driven by this kind of demographic data. The same thing could be said about things like where to plant the next churches. I remember going to a long seminar all day long, eight hours about demographic analysis and how to use it in church planting. Now, I was willing to sit through this eight-hour seminar because I was involved in my doctoral program at the time and I was doing research on the theme that was being addressed and I wanted the information. But after this woman spoke for eight hours to us about analyzing demographic data in relationship to church planting and the location of future churches and communities, She ended then by saying, or you can do everything I said today, or you can do this one thing. She said, go to your county planning department and ask them where the next McDonald's is going to be built in your community and try to plant your church as close to it as possible. She said, because McDonald's has already done the hard work and they know exactly where families are going to be congregating and where traffic patterns are going to be crossing. And that's where they're going to put the next McDonald's. She said, plant your church as close to that as possible, and you will have planted your church where the people are going to be. 
man, how simple could that be? Letting someone else do the work and then us making a decision in the present about what other people have projected is going to be the most likely future we could anticipate. So it's not just in these areas, but it's looking at what secular people are saying about social policy, about building and land development, about finance, about all these different issues and listening carefully to them and thinking through the implications of what they're saying and then speaking back into your present ministry setting because of how you see the future developing around you, how you see the future unfolding around you. So many ministry opportunities will exist for churches and ministry organizations that can anticipate the future and be prepared for it as they move along. So learn what insightful people are predicting about the future and do that, first of all, I think, by listening to and looking at secular sources to help you with this kind of information. Third, consider the insights of mature Christian leaders and their perspective on the future. You know, some of us have just been doing this for a while. And because of that, we have some sense of how things have unfolded over our lifetimes. And as we look forward, we have a sense of how they're going to unfold as the future comes. Now, I'm not able to predict the future. I don't have that kind of prophetic capacity or that kind of ability to see things clearly about the future and what that's going to look like. But if you give me a few minutes to think and reflect about a particular problem or issue or concern, I can generally tell you, well, this is how it's developed over the past 20 or 30 years, and this is the trajectory that it's on for the next 20 or 30, and where I see things going or where I see things ending in these areas. Helping people by learning what insightful Christian people are thinking about the future is another way to learn to anticipate the future. Now, having said all that, though, I want to give you a number four that's sort of a sub part of point three. So far, number one was discover what the Bible says about the future. Number two, discover what leaders, particularly secular leaders, say about the future. Third was discover what mature Christian leaders say about the future. Now I'm going to give you number four, which may surprise you. It's almost like a little subset of number three, and it sort of spins out of that one, but I'm going to give it its own category because it's so important. And that is number four, learn from younger leaders about the future. And observe how younger leaders and even younger people are behaving to shape your understanding of what future will be like. Give you a couple of examples of that. A number of years ago, we had a meeting here at the seminary to talk about our educational delivery models and how we needed to shape them for the future. And so immediately someone said, well, we need to think about our students and how they receive information, how they want to be taught, and how they are uh, prepared to encounter uh, the educational product or to encounter educational delivery. And I let that conversation go on for a few minutes because it was exactly what what I would have anticipated. And then I said, you know, I understand that students matter, but we're here today to talk about the future of educational delivery, the future of how students will anticipate or how students will access information, the future of how students will receive the educational product or the educational delivery, the future. So I said, I think it's far more important today that we study how middle schoolers are learning today. Because in 10 years, When the future gets here at Gateway Seminary, this future we're talking about today, when the future gets here in 10 years, it's not going to be how our current students today wanted to receive or information or how they wanted to access educational product. It's going to be how did today's middle schoolers plan to do that when they get to graduate school. 
So if today's middle schoolers are already really comfortable studying online and really comfortable accessing information online and really comfortable doing their research primarily online, today's middle schoolers are very comfortable working in group contexts and appreciate that kind of communal type learning and are actually having that facilitated into them, then we better pay attention to that because that is the future, if you will, of educational delivery for Gateway Seminary. So you can learn to anticipate the future by looking at younger leaders and even younger people and see how they're experiencing life and what they're going to be like when they get to where you are, especially in our case as a graduate school. We had to ask ourselves that question. What What's in 10 years, a 26-year-old student at our school is 16 right now. So how is that 16-year-old accessing this information? How's that 16-year-old being taught? How's that 16-year-old uh, receiving educational product? And what's that mean for us as we shape ourselves now from the future, if you will, to get ready for what that future is going to bring to us? And then a second part of this is accessing the minds and insights of younger leaders who see what the future that is that their generation is going to bring to bear on a church or an organization. You know, I made this statement recently in a church and set off a little firebomb. I didn't plan to. It didn't mean to. But I did. I was teaching about think about church growth and church health. And I said, if you're over 60 and you like everything your church is doing, your church is probably dying. What I was trying to communicate was as a person over 60, if the church is doing everything the way I like it, probably not connecting with a 30 year old man with a couple of small children who's looking for a church home in our community. His needs, his interests, his desires, very different than mine. So if I want to think about what does the future of our church need to look like, I want to ask people that are perhaps ages 15 to 25 about their perceptions of church, their needs from church, their ideas about the future of the church, what they're anticipating the church will need to be like for them as they move along through life, and then build a church that's going to connect with those kinds of needs when those people arrive at those, middle, at those adult years that I've just been describing. That's what I mean when I talk about learning from younger people and learning from younger leaders. You know, here at Gateway, we recently went through a pretty significant planning process. And one of the things I insisted on was that we have a couple of our youngest leaders uh, on that planning team to speak to us about the future. You know, it would have been so easy to pull together some of our veteran leaders and everybody on that team to be 55 and older. And we could have gotten together and talked about, you know, the things the seminary needs to do to be about the future. But I needed some 30-year-old voices in that planning team, some voices saying, hey, I'm going to be here for 30 more years. And here's some things I see coming about the future from my generation's perspective on what seminary needs to be like. And my voice speaking into the process helped me as an older, their voice speaking into the process helped me as an older leader to understand this is the future I hear talking to me right now. So a fourth way that you can improve your capacity to anticipate the future is actually by observing younger people and listening to younger leaders. And as they share with you or as you observe their experiences and as they share with you their perspectives, you can walk away saying, that's probably a picture of the future that I need to pay attention to as we think about decisions in the present that are going to get us to where we need to be. So this generation rising will embrace who we are at the right time. And then finally, the last step in improving your capacity to anticipate the future more accurately is to ask God to help you, to ask God to help you. Just simply bow your head and say, God, 
there's no way I can understand the future. I can't predict the future. I don't know the future. And God, I'm studying these secular people who lay out data that helps me understand the future. And I try to listen to mature Christians who've had a lot of experience and kind of give me an understanding of where things might be going. And I... I'm paying attention to younger people and younger leaders and I'm paying attention to their desires and dreams and hopes and life patterns and practices and ways of doing things. And as I'm trying to put all this together, Father, sometimes it's more confusing than clarifying. So God, I'm asking you today, help me. Help me lead from the future. Deliver me from preserving the present. Loose me from past success that ties me to the past. Help me, God, to envision the future and to lead from the future by making decisions in the present that are driven by future realities as best I can understand them, perceive them, or learn them. Leading from the future changes your perspective. It's not about How can we do better today? It's about what's the future going to be like and what can we decide today to get us to that kind of future in the healthiest way possible. It's a leadership perspective that'll help you as you cultivate it and as you lead on.